another day, another edition of The Festival Rules. I'm Josh Horowitz. I'm Ben Lyons, and uh, we've seen some great movies already for, what, day two of Sundance. Day two. We are seeing a ton. We're talking to a ton of people. Last night, uh, we both went to see the Taylor Swift doc, as we detailed in the last episode. You got all our songs stuck in your head all day long? Because I do. Shake it off. Shake it off. I'm glad you started because I wasn't. Uh, I went to bed at a reasonable hour. You, uh, you I did not, me. Josh. I dropped you off. What happened? Well, I think we're going to do this this week. I think you're going to drop me off and then I'm going to go out and then I'll make notes of what happened from going out and just kind of do some top lines. You're in a condition where you can actually write notes? Yeah, well, we'll see what the notes come out with. Okay. Um, I did go to that next Netflix party and Taylor Swift did show up. I didn't see her because there were so many people around her. That's how I knew she was there. Shout out to DJ Mr. Best for getting me on the list. They had delicious past apps, including some uh, rice balls, which I had too many of. Ran into Jamie Patrickoff, producer of Us Kids, US Kids. Going to be a big movie here, obviously. Documentary, saw him. Uh, and then went over to the after party for Bad Hair and told Jay Farrow that I love his work on uh, DJ Who Kids radio show on Shade 45. So it was a great night. I feel like we both got what we wanted out of last night. Oh, and then my Lyft driver did tell me about a Venezuelan documentary that I would like to check out um, from director Annabelle Rodriguez Rios. And uh, it sounds really good. So I'm going to look forward to that. Life, uh, let's go Once Upon a Time in, in Venezuela. Well, I had a good night's sleep. So I win. I win. <laughs> Today's episode, the main event that we're about to get to, is uh, an interview that we just conducted with the great Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Who has been coming to Sundance long before you and I have. I mean, 2001 was his yeah. first festival for Manic. Uh, yeah, you can trace his career back to Sundance, like just sort of like figure out. Mysterious Skin was here. His directing debut, Don John was here. Brick was here. All Brick the big was ones. good. I liked Brick a lot. Fantastic. A yeah, he's had a lot of big movies here. He's back with, uh, not for a film. Not but- for a film this year. His passion project, which is Hit Record, which is this amazing collaborative platform where people can contribute and collaborate on art, film, TV, short stories, any kind of art you can imagine that you go to Hit Record and and collaborate with some other folks around the world. You can imagine it's very lonely if you're a young artist out there who doesn't have deep Hollywood connections and you want to be heard and seen to get your work out there and to do it in a safe way. How many horror stories do you hear of people saying, yes, I'd love to make your movie. I'll give you zero dollars and own all of it. You know, you know <laughs> So he has provided a safe space for creators to collaborate. He's very passionate about it and I can't believe it's been 10 years he's doing it. He's, he's a good one. We caught up with him at the Natural Resources Defense Council space on Main Street uh, and they were kind enough to host us as they will for a few of our interviews. Here's our chat with uh, the great Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We have Sundance royalty here. I mean, we we were just talking, Ben and I were talking. We've been here a lot. You've been here since 2001, I think, is the math. Oh, they're shushing in the back. Everybody listen, because what we're going to say is important. (laughs) Joseph Gordon-Levitt rules the roost. Uh, Welcome back to Sundance. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're right. 2001, uh, I mean... I remember, though, thinking about Sundance well before that because, you know, I grew up watching indie movies, going to, like, art house cinemas and watching Reservoir Dogs and Sling Blade and movies like that that came through Sundance. And, in fact, I even... I actually heard about Sundance before that because when I was 10, my first movie ever was A River Runs Through It, which was directed by Robert Redford, who started Sundance. And I didn't know what Sundance was at all back then. And, actually, not that many people 
did. It sure. was it was a lesser known sort of thing you had to be in the know about. Ten year olds didn't know what it was. Now I feel like ten year olds do know what Sundance <laughs> is. Ten year olds are like, oh yeah, didn't uh, didn't Aronofsky come through <laughs> right. Sundance? So I read about yeah, him yeah. on. Ten uh, <laughs> year olds have yeah. three films here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but you're here in a very different capacity this year, which is something equally uh, worth celebration. So explain a little bit what brings you back now. Yeah, I'm here with Hit Record for for uh, we've been here a number of times actually, and there's a lot of uh, overlap between Hit Record and Sundance. I think they share a lot of the same kind of philosophies. Um, perhaps one thing to point out being uh, Sundance was always about how can film get made outside of the completely commercially driven Hollywood studio system where movies were all about kind of fame and glitz and glamour and red carpet. Um, and Hit Record in a lot of ways is about art and creativity online that's also, not so much about the fame and the glitz and the glamour. It feels like a lot of online creativity, creative platforms that I need not name, have become culturally dominated by just how many followers can you get? How famous can you get? How, you know, and in, in my experience, uh, what's so lovely and why I feel so lucky to get to uh, do art is not from how much attention you can get or even just like even the finished movie it's it's the 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 love i have comes from the making part yes. the, the creative process and and uh so hit record is is a community of of people online making art together all kinds of things whether it's short films or music or books or little stories or audio stories or any number of any kind of creativity and it's all about collaboration people finding things together not not just um saying hey look what i made but like what right. can we all make together and uh, it really puts the emphasis on the, the joys of the creative process as opposed to how much attention you can get for the the content. And what's cool also, you know, we've been talking about Hit Record for over a decade here at Sundance, and I feel like like Sundance... That's something, Josh. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's a living, breathing You've been organism. an early champion for it, and I really appreciate it. I want to say thank you. It's really I, cool. No thanks you. You've always been really cool and, and interested in it. No worries, buddy. But, but, but I, what I was going to say is that it's evolved. I mean, like, I, I'm sure the mission statement at, at the beginning um, maybe differs now. I mean, in terms of, like, Does, you, yeah. you, you have a book out now. Oh, yeah. um, you've produced films. You've produced television. Um how does Hit Record evolve with the changing media landscape? Has it been tough for you to kind of figure out where its place is in 2020? It's always been an evolution. I mean, even before it was a place for collaboration, uh, Hit Record was, it started as just this little hobby thing I was doing with my brother, where I was just me posting things that I had made. And a community very gradually evolved out of that. And, and it was the community that started wanting to collaborate. And it was me and my brother that was like, we're like, that's cool. That that wouldn't have been possible in the past before this kind of technology because just watching a video or just listening to a song on the internet isn't really different than watching TV or listening to the radio. But people making things together that they wouldn't have been able to make on their own, that is, it feels really different. And so it's always been an evolving feedback loop with the community. And so in, in recent years, our, our focus has really been about how can we include more of, of the community? Because in the past, it's really been more about me and my friends and colleagues starting projects, leading projects, and then saying, okay, world, you can come collaborate on our projects that, that I'm doing. 
But what we've really been focused on is how can, how can we take what we've learned leading those collaborative projects and say like, let's let you guys start your own projects and lead your own projects and finish them and, and celebrate them. And that's what we've been really focused on lately. I, I always and love to see his thought starter, starters he puts on Twitter, like the stuff like, yeah. just yeah. like yeah. Yeah. you get it going. Yeah, yeah. yeah it gets the conversation going. But I remember the, the conversations around here record started from you just rocking that little button around. Yes. And that started the one. kind of curiosity. <laughs> there it it's is. the same button. It's the red button. Yeah, it's, I mean, because for me, even before it was a website, it was just a little metaphor it's it started 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 because I couldn't get a job as an actor that was really how it started I, I was I was an actor as a kid I was on tv which I was very grateful for but I quit and I went to college and when I wanted to get back into it I no one would give me a part and that was super painful it sucks when you feel that urge to be creative and you don't feel like you have a creative outlet to do it and hit record at that point was just this little like turn of phrase that I came up with privately to say to myself, just like a little mantra, like, I'm going to push the button. That, that round red record button became this symbol for me. Like, I'm going to get off my ass and I'm going to do it. I don't have to wait for somebody to give me a part. I'm going to make stuff. Great moment to point out, Josh, did you hit the red button on the podcast? You did, because I know. Oh, <laughs> this is why I asked if yes, we were recording. I, okay, I always good. ask. Did you got to check that I Josh, I never know. <laughs> just wanted to point that Always out, a bad right. sign yeah. when I'm producing the podcast, too. <laughs> but this is the thing that we've found, is that if you, if you have that urge to be creative, some, it can be really hard to do it alone. Yeah, right. you're sitting there with a blank page and like I know I want to write something what 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 do I write and even if I do write something what am I going to do I'm going to post it to my what and, and be like hey everybody like I wrote this can you give me some likes or something it can be depressing and the point of hit record is if you want to write you can go and find different projects of people that are like hey I drew this character and I'd love to see a story based on this character and then you instantly have a piece of inspiration so you're not just staring at the blank page wondering what to write about and once you're finished you contribute it to that person's project and you know there's someone on the other end that's really going to be super interested to see what you did and interested in a different way than comes from comments and likes it's different than just be like cool dude thumbs up you did something <laughs> it's like whoa because when somebody yeah. exactly because when somebody remixes your creativity it's fascinating even if you don't like what they did it's fascinating to see like oh that's what my art made you think of that's and when that's you a healthy approach a lot of artists might not have that same kind of take no on it's it. true you're right and and uh like i would we're staring at, at shepherd fairy art right now here at the national resource defense uh Council, lounge yeah, yeah, council's yeah. lounge and they've got a bunch of shepherd fairy art up here he's a remix artist and i think more and more people especially our generation and, and even more so younger generations, everyone's remix artists. And the, the truth is, everyone's always been remix artists. Sure. Shakespeare didn't come up with Romeo and Juliet. That was an older story. The Wizard of Oz that we all know, actually that wasn't the first movie called The Wizard of Oz. And we had a period of about 100 years or something like that where the intellectual property laws and the way technology worked and the way the businesses worked put a premium on like, oh, you have to be completely original. But I don't think human creativity actually works that way. I think the natural way that humans are creative is we build off of each other. We hear something you're singing and we sing our own version of it. You know, I have kids and if you listen to how they're creative, they're constantly just like, they're taking little pieces of things that they've heard or seen. And then they're like working it into their own output and creativity. And that, you know, you can look at kids for what humans naturally will do and yeah so I, I 
it, it, you're right. It's not for everything. And if you have your like perfect masterpiece that you don't want anybody to fuck with, are we allowed to say fuck? Sure. Yeah. If you don't, if you that you don't want anybody to fuck with, then you probably shouldn't post it on Hit Record. That's not what it's for. It's not right. for sharing or ex- exhibiting your work. There's lots of other great places online for you to do that. The point is to find collaborators and, and make stuff together. So one of the newest collaborations I alluded to earlier is this new book, The Art of Breaking the Art Up. Of breaking Up. So what's you know a happily married man with two kids doing, helping <laughs> to foster a book about breaking up? Wasn't my idea. That's the beauty. <laughs> That's the go. beauty. It came from the community. Uh, this uh, this artist called Fleeting Mind. She started the project and uh, didn't even conceive of it as a book at first. She she just she she put up one il- illustration. I'm saying she, I think that's an assumption. I actually don't know what gender fleeting mind is. Um, anyway, uh, it was just an illustration and a project saying, let's all make art about breaking up. And I guess it's not really shocking. That resonated really well with people. Like right. the community contributed a lot to this project because art is a great way to cope with pain. <laughs> and breakups are fucking painful. Uh, so all this art started just accumulating and people were, again, they were remixing each other, taking like someone would write a story about their breakup and someone else would illustrate it and that kind of thing. It's just, it feels good to do. Uh, and then we in the office were like, well, actually first, then it became a zine. It's just like a little kind of underground style sure. zine. And they were like, this is too cool. And then we <laughs> took it and shopped it to publishers and HarperCollins bought it. We'd made books previously with HarperCollins. That's Collins, also pretty cool. The tiny Book of Tiny Stories. And, uh, and now it's this book and it's gorgeous. It has two sides to it because there's two sides to every breakup. There's the heartbreaker side. And then if you flip the book upside down, you read it backwards. It's from the point of view of the heartbroken. And uh, the short story I contributed is in the heartbroken <laughs> side. And uh, it's beautiful. I'm so proud of it. There's 400 something people have, have their art and writing inside of it. I want to say it feels like there's a spiritual connection to Sundance via 500 Days of Summer. Yes. Book. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I was gonna. That's exactly right. what it I was gonna bring to up because you know, Josh yeah. speaks fondly about seeing that movie here and connecting with you here, and that premiere was yeah. insane yeah, here. When you think back to that premiere and that movie and that time here, <laughs> it's it's obviously. I remember it as though it were a meal ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Josh, obviously, you talk about that movie a lot here. Well, yeah. I mean, was that? I'm curious because you have been here so many times. Is that a memory that jumps out when you think back to your happiest times here? The surprise, the way that audience received that film? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is such the, the perfect audience for 500 Days of Summer. I, you know, Sundance has a wide range of so many things, and I love it for that. And I think probably what, what most people know it for is for movies like 500 Days of Summer that kind of blend a pop sensibility with an art sensibility. Um, and that's right up my alley. That's the kind of, because I like cheesy romantic comedies, Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood. And I like weird, weird, arty romances, you know, Jean-Luc Godard or whatever you want to say. Uh, I like both. And so I love movies that blend them. And, and here at Sundance, you, you get that blend and you get both extremes. You, well, more to the extreme art side, you know, sure. you get like really esoteric stuff. And I love that there's a forum for that. You get documentaries that, you know, I, I would argue you know, documentaries are really working their way into pop culture now, largely on uh, streaming services. But I feel like Hollywood wouldn't even been as aware of 
what documentaries were or how they could be entertaining if it weren't for Sundance, which is, yeah. You know, those early Michael Moore films, I think all like debuted here, Roger and me. Yeah. I feel like the last yeah. three winners at the Oscars from OJ to Free Solo and Icarus were all Sundance movies. And right. all used this place as a platform to get that conversation going. Mm-hmm. So we, we call this podcast in particular, it's called The Festival Rules because we want to kind of give people <laughs> a sense of what it is like, you know, it's, a, it's a, we're in a privileged position to be able to go to these festivals and talk to people like you and see it's films. Yeah. What would your number one rule be for surviving and enjoying a festival like Sundance be? Go see a lot of movies. There's a lot to do here. Um, and I'm guilty of sometimes coming here and because I, I'm here for work, I, I don't always get to see a movie. It might happen to me this time as I'm here for hit record. I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to figure out when I'm gonna actually get to go sit down in a movie theater and watch a movie. Um, but that's it's a film festival. That's first and foremost what Sundance is. Right. And if you really want to feel the spirit of Sundance, you're not going to find it in, no offense, in a lounge. Sure. You're going to find it in a movie theater. Sure. Is there one movie that you saw that you weren't a part of here over the years that sticks out when you think about being in Eccles or the library oh, and just being a fan and waiting in line like everybody else to go yeah. see something that really got you or grabbed a hold of you? Yeah. Oh, man. That's such a good question. Um, oh, I always fail at stuff like this off the top of my head. <laughs> Tomorrow in the shower, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that one. Um, uh, well, what about this? Just you, while you think about that. Um, I saw a short film. Yeah. I saw this. Is, I mean, this is a really lesser known, I mean, there's a tiny short, I don't know, I wonder if you could even find it. I haven't seen it since the festival. It was called Next Floor. This is an example of what I was talking about. This is just a bizarre, bizarre little 15 minute movie or something like that, that about these very kind of like um, elegant and seemingly rich, excessive people at a dinner party. And every couple minutes, the floor falls out from under them and then they fall into the floor below and they don't, they kind of notice, but they don't and they keep eating dinner (laughs) and then it happens again and and their costumes keep getting dirtier and dirtier as there's like bits of plaster in their hair and everything because the floor keeps collapsing under them and they keep going down to the next and the next lowest and lowest floor and that's it. Right. And the audience loved it and there's, (laughs) there's just no place for that in Hollywood. But it was, you know, on a beautiful big screen with a whole audience loving it. That's that's what this place is about. Are you part of the the TV binging culture? Do you watch a lot on t- television? Is what's the last show that you binged? Um, Fleabag. I mean, F- Fleabag is as, as good acting, as, huh? as uh, keep looking at the screen anything, like it's any movie or whatever you want to talk about. It's so so good. Yeah. I'm just like, completely blown away. I love it. It's so you, inspiring. And we're here at the, the award season. It's coming, coming to an end with the Oscars. Is there any performance or a film that you just love as a fan because you are one of those artists who supports and sees other art? Yeah, I should be. I'm also a dad <laughs> of babies. It's a balance. So I see very few movies. Wait, Was I'm, there a Teletubbies I'm, movie this year? Yeah, Was no, there? no, wait. I, I'm sure I can think of a movie that came out this year. I'm always bad at thinking on my feet of stuff like that. Um, wait, what did I see this year? Uh, come back to me. Come back to me. No worries. Uh, I was talking to you when you sat down. You've, I think, recently shot the new Aaron Sorkin film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. So, Trial of Chicago 7. This has been around forever. An all-star cast from, uh, what, Michael Keaton, Eddie Redmayne, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, talk to me what it was like to, to say Aaron Sorkin's words for a few months. Yeah, you, you, you say every single word, not one more, not one less, which is different than standard Hollywood acting. Generally... In Hollywood, you have more leeway to kind of 
not necessarily fully go off script and improvise, but just kind of make the words your own. Sure. With Sorkin, I didn't want to make the words my own. I really just wanted to memorize and get right exactly what he wanted. And I would sometimes check with him, like, if I was going to add, you know, uh, if I was going to change, like, is to are or something like, you know what I mean? Like, if I was going to change a, a singular to a plural, I would check with him. And he would really appreciate it because he's, like, a stickler for, for words and grammar and things like that. Uh, and there were, there, and I would take pride if I like got one. He was like, "Oh, you're right. We should change that." I'd be like, "Yes, I added an apostrophe." <laughs> Get no writing credit yeah. now. It's a, it's a hit record production. Yes. All of a sudden. <laughs> I remixed him. That's gonna change your approach, I'd imagine, as an actor who's I don't know, flexed every type of muscle you have as an actor over your career, but then step in that arena. Yeah, does that change the way you go into the whole project? Yeah, well, and and also the you mentioned Eddie Redmayne or. Um, Mark Rylance is another great actor in the movie and yeah. who both are come from theater, Shakespeare, like England, you know, I'm holding up my fist, like, you know, the word, the book. And uh, I love it because it's, it's hard to find writing that's that good that you, it deserves that much respect. Um, oftentimes in Hollywood, the writing process gets rushed and uh, you're, you're fighting through trying to like make the scenes work. Um, and so, yeah, it felt so good to be like working on this script that Aaron's been working on yeah. for years and years and years alongside these actors that, that come from the tradition of respect for the words. And I loved it. Some of your uh, history, again, it all goes back to Sundance. Brick. I think of Brick and I yeah. think of Ryan Johnson. Yeah, that was, that was another one. And uh, so I know you remain close friends with Ryan, yet somehow, why did we only get your voice in his last two awesome films? Knives Out and Star so Wars. I'm so sad about both of those. Uh, You're still a part of them in some I know. small way. The streak continues. I've been in every Ryan Johnson movie. <laughs> it's important <laughs> to us. <laughs> and he's so generous to like help me like make that happen. Um, it was just a logistical thing. I, I would love to have been in either one, but um, yeah, that's show business. The next Benoit Blanc mystery needs a murderer or a suspect played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No comment, um, no comment. <gasps> oh, wait, I feel, like I, I feel like I stumbled onto something. <laughs> that's how it works. Are you the type who sees an artist out there creating and you reach out to them and say, I've, I've been a fan of your work, let's make something together. I remember doing an interview with Shia. Shia said, if I go up to somebody in the street and say, hey, you want to be my friend? They're going to be like, you're a weirdo. Huh. But if you're like, hey, you want to create something together, you yeah. want to make something, a bond forms. That's what Hit Record is all about. That's what I do on Hit Record. So I don't really do it through Hollywood. Or you Hollywood. have your mechanism in place. Yeah, because I, 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 yeah, I don't like reach out through my agent. Very rarely do I do that. Uh, I can't think of examples. Sometimes people will call and want to meet me, and, and if I know their work, about, oh, okay, cool. But I don't really spend time uh, setting up connections like that in Hollywood, but it's exactly what I spend my time doing on Hit Record is, is just finding what cool artists are doing what yeah. and seeing how I can contribute, whether it's just through an opinion or I'm going to, you know, uh, what, like a week or so ago, someone wrote down a story from their personal life that I thought was really good and they started a project and they were like, I want to turn this into, I don't know if they'd even started a project. They were like, I, I think this could be really cool as a little short film. And I was like, your story is awesome and I have uh, an hour right now and I find it relaxing and I'll, I just adapted their story into a little two-page screenplay and now there's people working on trying to you know make that into a short film that's on here so record cool, man. but that's that's, really the, cool. that's the kind of thing that i really like doing and, and again i'll i will i don't want to i don't want to well i am i'm knocking other platforms when i spend time on <laughs> on like social media if i have a half hour to kill or whatever it's easy by the way to waste that half hour it sucks you in i'm i'm just like anybody i i'm a victim of it 
getting sucked in. But when I'm done, I don't feel good. I don't feel good about Empty myself. Calories, right? I don't feel good about the world. <laughs> I, f- I just like emotionally like a notch down. Whereas if I spend a half hour taking someone's story and, and writing a little script out of it, like I feel great. I come away from that experience just feeling a notch more positive about myself and the world. And creativity is good for people. It, like, and whether you're doing it on hit record or in any other way, this is sort of my my own personal mission. Is I, I think if if I I've been so lucky to get to have a creative outlet. If that can inspire other people to be creative, that's that's what I hope for. The, the last thing I just want to mention, uh, like yet another Sundance connection. You directed Don John. You brought that here. Yeah. We, we haven't seen you direct a feature since then, but I, you are directing a, a TV project, right? We're in pre-production right now on Mr. Corman. Yeah, it's super exciting. And, and it's funny, like speaking of how the times change, you know, uh, I feel like nowadays what what in the past was more niche and you might call like a quote unquote indie film, uh, that kind of storytelling audience, there's big audiences for it. And, but they're, they're more wanting it in, in uh, an episodic format. And it kind of makes sense. I haven't, I haven't spent any time thinking about an episodic format in years, but until I, I started getting inspired by watching shows like Fleabag or Atlanta or other, you know, shows like that and feeling like, you really can dive so deep and you can go off on bizarre tangents. And, you know, in a feature film that's 90 minutes long, you really get to have one idea and everything, if you should, in a way, all connect back to that one idea, that one theme. Whereas in, in episodic storytelling, you can have an overarching theme that runs throughout our 10 episode season, but then you can also be like, and in this episode, we're going to go down this tangent and like really dive deep into this idea or this concept or this character or this relationship and I love it I'm having so much fun writing these scripts with my my fellow writers and uh and we start shooting in a few weeks and I'm gonna direct five out of the ten episodes and I'm just so happy I think it's gonna be great congratulations thanks man thank yeah, you very cool and uh for anybody who's just discovering hit record from this podcast I'm so happy for you because you're gonna go down the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah, and man. find some really cool stuff and um you just done an awesome job supporting art for your entire career so we appreciate you taking the time thank you man thanks, thanks. always great to talk to you guys that was the great Joseph Gordon-Levitt. JGL. We, uh, in addition to talking to JGL, we've seen a bunch of films lately. We should run through a couple, at least, just to mention that we're actually doing the work of filmgoers here. We saw a great short film from director Olivia Wilde. Um, the title, of course, escapes me. Um, I did see uh, Beast Beast from producer Alec Baldwin, which uh, we'll be catching up with him later on this week, and we'll get into that review. But kind of want to get into a quick review with you right now about Rebuilding Paradise. Yeah, and this tees up, we're going to be talking to uh, Ron Howard on a later episode. He's the director of this documentary that uh, details the the fires that destroyed a town in California, Paradise, literally named Paradise, ironically. And it details the survivors and, you know, as the title suggests, their efforts to somehow restart that town and kind of come out of the, the madness, the, the insurmountable, seemingly insurmountable uh, disaster that, that befell that town. Ron is here at Sundance for the first time because of this movie. And it's weird to say this, but I obviously wish he never made this movie. I wish this movie had never had to be made. But the way he did it with such a, a human hand, a human touch, of the, and so much empathy for the people whose lives have been devastated. Oh my God, Josh, it really got me. And to see that found footage, the first 10 minutes of the movie, take you inside the from the from the firemen and police officers and victims 
haunting, chilling. I've never seen that in cinema. Uh, it's going to be out on Nat Geo later this year. Yeah, later at some this year, point. and uh, theatrically, hopefully, in, in a few months. So but that's yeah. well worth checking out. Another one I want to mention is a, a film that we both enjoyed called Black Bear. <laughs> the movie's nuts. Yeah, it Black is, Bear's it, great. It's crazy, and, and feels like a very Sundancey movie in, totally. in, in the right possible way. Aubrey um, Plaza. Aubrey Plaza has been here a ton, and she is great in it. Sarah Gaydon's uh, in it. Christopher Abbott, who's uh, an indie actor who's like popped up in all these cool indie films, is excellent in it. Um, I, I, we shouldn't reveal too much about it, but it's uh, it's not what it seems. It shifts halfway through into a totally different story. It's basically about a woman who kind of goes to a log cabin to stay with a, a couple to kind of get away from it all. And she's going there for inspiration. She's an artist. She's, she's a creative. She's an actress. She's right. kind of wanting to unplug, but um, uh, sort of their interpersonal relationships unfold, and it takes a sharp turn that is so creative and would be a great play, like a lot of Sundance movies. And I'm glad you mentioned Chris Abbott. Uh, audiences might remember him from Girls when he was the. I think he played the guy who was always trying to date Allison Williams on that. Um, he's good on that show. He's great in this and he's continuing to build a nice resume. So again, discovery at Sundance, one of our rules, finding performances and he de delivers a great one along with Aubrey Plaza uh, in Black Bear. Yeah, a, a really nice uh, black comedy. I highly recommend Black Bear. So uh, that's this edition of the Festival Rules. Uh, remember to review, rate and subscribe. Spread the good word of this new podcast. Hopefully you guys are getting a kick out of enjoying our misadventures in Sundance. They will continue for the next week. Uh, and we'll see you on the next one. We'll probably be eating pizza again for dinner. That's what we do every night. Yeah.